as you look at the manger and you see the pictures of the manger maybe showing up on a Christmas card or church on a screen, someone's front yard as you drive around looking at Christmas lights, maybe on your mantle at home or in your window at home. As you look at the manger, what is it to you? What is that manger that we look at that every Christmas season we're reminded about the birth of Jesus? When you look at the manger and you see it as you're driving around the neighborhoods, and you're looking at Christmas lights and, and you drive by and you see someone set it up as a decoration with a light shining on it, what does that mean to you, the manger, as you go by it? Or that one that's on your mantle, the one that's in the window. As people talk of the manger, what is it? Is it a cute story? Is it something that we become so familiar with that it just has become a decoration that at Christmas time we pull out the manger, we put it up, and then we put it back in a box and we put it away? Is it something that's just at the child's Christmas play or Christmas musical and they dress up and they perform the manger scene? Or is it really about the baby Jesus? When you see the picture of the manger, when you see the, the manger set up in some way, does it really draw you back to the hope and the joy and the peace that is truly found in Jesus? See, we glamorize and we sanitize the nativity scene and wrap ourselves up in the concept of a sweet eight-pound, six-ounce, golden diaper, little bundle of baby God. I mean, isn't he so cute? My concern at Christmas, church is that we miss out on what the manger is really about. Or we forget the power and the transformation that takes place because of the baby Jesus. We get so wrapped up in the worldly side of Christmas, all the shopping and the decorations and the trees and the parties and the gatherings, that the manger, the baby Jesus in the manger, gets set over here and he's a cute little decoration that we look at every now and go, oh, isn't that kind of cute? And we roll on with our lives. This morning and next week, I want us to draw in the Scriptures, and my prayer is that you will listen to the Scriptures maybe a little differently this year, that you really try to ask God, God, speak to me in a different way. God, open my heart in a new way. May it not just be a routine that we go through Christmas and we read the Christmas Scriptures and we do some shopping and we do some parties and we remember Jesus along with all the other stuff that we do, and then we go on to the new year that turns here January one. So I want you to listen closely this morning so that we don't push aside the Jesus of Christmas. Matthew 1 says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine Joseph? Yeah, right. Tell me another one. And she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he'll save his people from their sins. And Luke we see that and says, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. 
She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snuggly strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And we go back to Matthew, pick up more of the account, the story that took place. And then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star had first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too, lying Herod. You know he's lying. He wanted to find the baby Jesus and take his life. After the interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him when they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. They bowed down and worshipped him. When we stop and consider baby Jesus, the manger scene, to draw our knee, draw us to our knees to bow down and worship him, or has the worship of baby Jesus just become routine in your life today? There are some truths I want us to draw in out of the text today that I think we need to hear this Christmas season. Truth number one is that baby Jesus teaches that salvation can be hard to discern and even harder to accept. See, notice when, what Matthew tells us. Joseph didn't discern that Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. His thought is, you're pregnant? Who have you been with? His thought would be, who is the other guy? I'm sure there may have been some thought in there like, I'm going to go get him and I'm going to teach him a thing or two. And then there's, of course, the thought of, I can't let this embarrassment happen to you and happen to me, so let's divorce or let's separate quietly. In fact, when you continue to read, it sounds like he was just trying to be a good guy and going to take care of Mary, but he was trying to find a way out. Like, okay, we'll just end this quietly so not anybody needs to know. Now, do you blame him? I mean, you stop and think about it. Joseph was a righteous man. He waited his entire life for this big day when he can marry his woman and then consummate the marriage and say, I did it. I honored God. Now the news is shared. Like, she's pregnant. You know and I know all kinds of things are racing through his mind. And you know that the dream comes in the middle of the night and says she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. We would be questioning just like Joseph. Yeah, right. Tell me another story pregnant by the Holy Spirit. He kept himself pure. He resisted temptation. And now his bride can't wear white and, he'll have a, and she'll have a baby bump at the wedding. And he's thinking, how embarrassing will that be? Of course, maybe in our culture today, it's not quite as embarrassing. But back then, not accepted at all. Matter of fact, Mary should be put to death. You're pregnant outside of marriage? That would result in being stoned. And let everybody see it to say, no, listen, you're supposed to wait until marriage. Not exactly easy to discern or even accept that salvation is coming through this life-altering, embarrassing, neighbors are going to be talking event. You know they were. Hey, did you hear about Mary? No, I didn't hear. What did you hear? Oh, I heard she's pregnant. They say it's from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. You know the rumor mill was taken off in that little town, not a very big city at all, and you know they had to be talking about, yeah, is that true, this Holy Spirit thing, or are they making that up? Baby Jesus demands that we learn that God can use the unexpected, the uncomfortable, and even the unwanted circumstances to produce salvation in your life. Joseph didn't sign up for this trial. 
He didn't volunteer. God didn't say, hey, I need a young man to bring baby Jesus in this world. Who's going to raise their hand? It just fell into his lap. God chose him to be the one, and he tried to find a way out. I wonder, what are you walking through this Christmas season? A job change or a job challenge, a health challenge, parenting challenges, raising children? What is it? What's the thing that's stressing you out? What's the thing that you're fearful thing? What, fearful of? What is it that you're walking through that you say, I didn't sign up for this? I didn't put my name on a dotted line and say, hey, I want to walk through this this year. See, some of you didn't sign up for what you have to endure and what you're walking through and what you're going through. I want to tell you, hang on. That's what Joseph learned. Joseph learned, I got to hang on. Go for the ride. Don't abort. Don't throw away. Don't dismiss the provision that is wrapped up in your problem and your persecution or in your trial. The baby, so to speak, that is produced may end up being the gift of God. Mary and Joseph didn't understand that walking through it. But they started to grasp it as they did go through it. And if we get focused on the pain or we get focused on the embarrassment, the tears, maybe what other people think or even even our own glorified, unrealistic expectations, we may very well miss the delivery of salvation that God wants to do in our own lives. He says, you hang on. What is God trying to birth through what you are presently walking through or what you're going through? Had someone after first service said, those words spoke directly to me because I'm going through some major junk right now. Truth be told, probably all of us are walking through something right now. It may be small, it may be huge, but we're all going through something that maybe is not easy, that maybe is going to cost something, that, that maybe is that thing that hurts. And God, if he doesn't change the situation, but rather impregnates you with a purpose for the situation. Are you willing to hang on and say, God, I'm going through it, and I'm going to trust this baby in the manger. So you may be trying to find a way out while he's helping you find a way to stay in. You may be saying, get me out of this trouble, and he's saying, you walk through the trouble. You may be saying, I want to run from it. He's saying, don't run from it. Stay right there. I'm with you. So don't put something away that he has designed to birth salvation in your life. We need infant baby Jesus to help us discern and to accept and look for him in the trouble. Many times what do we say? Oh God, why are you allowing this? Why are you doing this? And all along, we could be praying, God, help me to find you in the middle of this journey. Do you have to have a dream that he'll help you move past what is the now? Truth number two is this. Baby Jesus teaches that ugly is the new beautiful. Stop and think about that. Ugly is the new beautiful. See, there was nothing pretty about the welcoming of the infant baby Jesus received. You stop and think about it. What are you told? Hey, there's no room in the inn. It's too crowded for you. They're unnoticed. There's no mercy. Now, you know the innkeeper could have probably made some room. He could have said, well, right over here in the entryway or right over here in the foyer, we'll make up a little bed for you. We'll make up a spot, and we'll help make sure that this baby comes in and, and at least the best we can. Or he could have even went to somebody else who was staying and saying, hey, would you be willing to give up your room? We have a mom who's pregnant, ready to have a baby at any time. She needs a bed. He didn't do any of that. He says, hey, out back, there's this manger. Dusty, smelly Camel aroma, mule fragrance, cow perfume, sheep spritzer, not exactly bed, bath, and beyond down the street. It says, you can have that. That thing that's filled with hay. The hay, remember, it's, it's, it's itchy, it's, it's not sterile, it's not clean, it's not a germless, 
journalist area. You can go back there. There was no thing on the wall. You could walk up to it and get a little squirt of hand sanitizer. Okay, now we're ready. A nasty manger where the animals live. said, yeah, you can go back there. Baby Jesus shows us the ability of God to turn the ordinary into the supernatural. To take what we think is going to be awful and do something great. If he can turn a manger into a motel for the majesty, then surely he can take your pain and turn it into a promotion. He can take your tears and he can turn them into triumph. He can take your broken heart and turn it into breakthrough. However, we miss the lesson. We don't learn it if he doesn't if it just take you out of it, out of the ugly. And so sometimes we have to stay in the ugly in order to see the beautiful. We have to stay in the ugly to see God's hand at work. Some of you are convinced that God has forgotten about you, or worse yet, doesn't, be care, doesn't care about you because of the ugly situation. I, I want to tell you, God cares about you, He still loves you, and He's walking with you. Are you grabbing onto Him? I want us to be reminded that our task and our mandate from God is to find the beautiful inside the ugly. Whatever you're walking through, you'll still be able to look and say, God, I want to grab onto you, and I want to see how you're moving and how you're working and what you're doing. Because even in the midst of the ugly things of life, God is still right there. If you don't learn this lesson when ugly lasts for an extended period of time, maybe like months or years or even for life, we will miss the presence of God and form God in the mess. And so we got to learn to see God in the mess. And sometimes our mess will go on for months or years or even sometimes a lifetime. So God uses the ugly to bring salvation. And when you receive salvation, that's absolutely beautiful. There's a third truth I want us to grab onto, and that Jesus teaches our detours are often divine. Sometimes there's detours of life. I didn't read it to you, but most of you probably know the story. The shepherds are minding their own business. They're out tending the sheep on a beautiful landscape and the hillside and a beautiful night outside, and they get a chance to see the stars. They're doing life as they know how to do life, interrupted by angels. And the sheep are left to fend for themselves. Can you imagine a shepherd? Wait a minute, I can't leave these sheep out there. They're kind of dumb animals. They're going to wander and fall off the cliff. Or they're going to get eaten by a wolf. Or they're going to get stuck inside of some rut somewhere. They're, they're kind of dumb. And the unexpected journey embarked on because they were called to go on the journey. It wasn't what they had planned. Wise men from afar, interrupted by a star, set out on a winding path to find the promised one. Not their plan. Expecting to watch sheep, instead they're worshiping a king. Expecting to see a normal sky, instead they're packing for a long journey to bring gifts to a Messiah. Detours are often divine. Maybe you're walking through a detour. See, the journey the Magi teaches us that, yes, God went out of his way to get us, but we usually are required to go out of our way to get him. Finding him isn't always convenient. It may require a detour from where you would like to go. You might have your life planned out and you say, this is where I'm going. This is what we're doing. You may not be able to keep going the way you're going in order to find him. There may be a detour in your life that God says, I'm going to show up in this detour. I want you to find me. Your life may not go down the path you predicted. And may I say to moms and dads, I'm in that journey right now with teenagers that are going to be flying the coop. I may have my plans and my ideas, but it may not go the way I predict or the way I want. I want it to go the way God wants it to go. And sometimes that's when the detours happen. Your life may not go down what you've desired. This Christmas season, what are you dealing with? 
What are the unexpected circumstances? You go, I, I didn't plan for this. I didn't plan for this health challenge. I didn't plan for this financial situation. I didn't plan for the cars to break down. I didn't plan for my husband or my wife to walk out on me. I didn't plan for that. I didn't plan for this ugly situation. I didn't, I didn't plan for this detour. I had other kinds of plans. You know, God wants to meet you right in the middle of what is going on. Look at what Apostle Paul wrote to those in Rome. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at that verse. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you what? As you what? As you trust in him. Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Maybe this Christmas you're struggling with a lack of joy, a lack of peace. Paul tells us how to get it. He tells us to trust in him. He's saying, you trust in what? You trust in Jesus. You trust in the baby Jesus so that you may overflow with hope, like a cup that overflows, like a pot that boils over, that you may overflow with hope. In other words, our hope comes that when we're walking in life, we keep what? We keep a trust in him. How did the shepherds do it? How did the Magi do that? How did Joseph do it? How did Mary do it? It's such a unique account that even though we try to grasp it in our mind and our heart, we still go, really? God, that's how you did it? And it still doesn't make sense. And the only way to make sense of it is a complete trust to go, God is God and I'm not. A complete faith to say, you know what? I can't possibly grasp it. Scientifically, I probably can't explain it. But I have full trust in the God who brought the baby Jesus to this world, who brought salvation. So this Christmas, what is it that you need to lay at the foot of the cross to trust in him? See, I'll make you a promise. The more trust you put in the Almighty, the more peace and joy will fill your life. You say, how can you make that promise? Because that's what Scripture says. Go back to that screen for a minute, Greg. That's exactly what Scripture says. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. What? As you. So as we, what? As we trust, we're then filled with what? Peace and joy. And he says, then I'll give you hope that overflows. And so as you walk in Christmas 2018, and you look to turn the corner to 2019, because maybe what you're walking doesn't end here in the next week or two. It may go on to January, February, March. It may be 2019 journey. Church, I want to encourage you. Walk in trust of the one who brought baby Jesus so that peace and joy will be in your life.